0: Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Candu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. Hey, is, is everyone comfortable? Okay. Is anyone a little uncomfortable? Like, honestly, I'm sweating. Up north, we never got weather this hot. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, We did once in a while, too. But you know what? Being uncomfortable isn't such a bad thing, because that's actually what we're going to talk about today, being uncomfortable and kind of embracing it. You know, I remember when I was a kid, uh, we had Farmer Vision, so we had four channels, and one of them was from the United States. And uh, we were watching a show one evening, and it was about these monks who lived in a, in a country overseas. And these monks, they believed that being uncomfortable was what caused them to live a disciplined life. So even when they're doing normal tasks, when they're cleaning, gardening, washing dishes, they would perform all these tasks but put their bodies in the most awkward and strainful position possible. I can't remember exactly what all of these positions were, but I remember one guy, he said, and at the end of the day, when we can have time to relax on our own, I like to read a book. So he put himself in this weird position. If you're, if you're like exercising, you know what a plank is. But a plank is when you, you hold your body rigid and you hold yourself up with both arms in front. It's kind of like a push-up, but you're not moving up and down. But this guy, he was doing a side plank like this, and then with his other hand, he was reaching all the way around him, so he had to crane his head behind him to read that book. And while he's in that position, that's how he was relaxing. Sounds weird, right? But the point is... Actually, I don't know what the point is. To me, it made no sense whatsoever. (laughs) So talk about being uncomfortable, right? Everything in these monks' lives, they did by being uncomfortable. Most people, and even us as Christians, we pursue lives that are the polar opposite of what these monks were living for. Most of us desire what makes us comfortable. Wouldn't you agree? That's why you're all here in lawn chairs instead of standing or kneeling or whatever, right? Most of us, we desire what makes us comfortable, and to be comfortable means to be at ease. It means to be content, free of inconvenience, and undisturbed in any way, physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. For a couple of years now, it feels like God has been speaking to me about the idea of being spiritually comfortable. When I hear the word comfortable coming out of my own mouth or someone else's mouth, it feels like God has been challenging me on that topic, when I have faced the decision in the last couple of years, and I've made that decision because I say, yeah, I'm comfortable with that, or no, I don't think I'm comfortable with that. There's this little voice inside my heart, guess who, and it speaks up to me, and he says, who said anything about being comfortable? Did you know that in the New International Version of the Bible, a, a translation that many of us use, the word comfortable, appears exactly zero times? It's interesting, isn't it? But the word comfort appears 71 times. Some examples of verses that use the word comfort are Psalm 23, verse 4, one that you probably all know. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right, okay. Isaiah 49 verse 13 says, shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. And Matthew 5 verse 4, part of the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. So there it is. Comfort is all over the Bible. Clearly, God is a God of comfort, which I love. And I love when Ron and Kathy lead worship because a lot of their songs are so comforting. They, they speak a message about this God who loves us, who meets us in our fears, who carries our burdens, right? And we can cast all our cares on him. Let me ask you this question, though. Does God comfort those who have chosen to make themselves comfortable? Just think about that if you like. These three verses that we just read, they talk about God offering comfort to those who walk in a valley of spiritual darkness. Those who are afflicted and those who mourn. Those are all uncomfortable situations. Wouldn't you agree? Those are all things that people would never intentionally choose for themselves But it's in those uncomfortable moments of life, the hard moments, the difficult moments, that's when we experience God's comfort far greater than any other time. And once we understand this, I think it becomes pretty obvious that being comfortable as Christians is not God's plan. Which is interesting because that's what we fight for probably more than anything else here on earth. But rather being faithful Being obedient, that's the goal that God has for us, no matter how uncomfortable it might make us. Because as we live for Jesus, as we follow his will, we're going to have our faith, our love, our morals, our convictions, and our devotion to Jesus tested and challenged all the time. Hands up. Anyone go through life as a Christian and experience something difficult and you realize, oh, Lord, I think you're testing me to see if my faith is genuine. Anyone ever experienced something like that? There's some hands going up and I wish there were a lot more because if we recognize what's going on, it's actually a beautiful thing. We can trust that God's comfort will actually abide in our lives as we are faithful to him, not as we shrink back to make ourselves as comfortable as possible. Growing up, I spent several uh, summers at the Winkler Bible Camp, first as a camper and then as a counselor. At this camp, they constructed a repelling wall. Uh, Repelling is when you wear this harness. It kind of looks like a pair of underwear on the outside of your pants. And uh, it's made up of really tough nylon straps and stuff like that. And then there's a rope that's tied to this harness. It's sent through a loop, a little metal loop called a carabiner. And the other end of this rope is in the hands of someone who stands way down at the bottom of the wall with their feet firmly on the ground the way God intended. (laughs) Then what you do as the person repelling is that you back off of this platform at the top of this tower, you put your feet against this vertical wall and you start to walk down backwards with your body suspended by a single rope, trusting the person who is holding the other end of the rope to keep you from falling to your death. Doesn't that sound like a marvelous Bible camp activity? I remember watching camper after camper be terrified to go over the edge of this repelling wall and start going down. Were they comfortable? No, not at all. Did they have to learn that they had to trust the person at the bottom of the wall instead of themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Man, as Christians, we tell ourselves, now I'm not, I'm not doing that. That makes me uncomfortable. There, when we say things like that, there's a good chance that we're acting like people who believe that we can take better care of ourselves than God can. Is that true, friends? Can we take better care of ourselves than our Savior can? Man, we need a lot more confidence than that, don't you think? I'm going to ask that question again. And, you know, we, the neighbors need to hear your testimony right now. Do you believe that you can take better care of yourself than God can? No. That's exactly right. We can't. Now, I'm not telling you to put yourself in uncomfortable situations like getting in a car that's on fire and saying, God, I trust you that you're going to get me to Grand Forks safely. There's a difference between being uncomfortable and being stupid, right? (laughs) So let's just, let's make sure we're not jumping to extremes here. But when we allow ourselves to be uncomfortable in godly ways and for godly reasons, we are confirming that our trust is in God rather than ourselves. How many, when, how many of you, oh, sorry. How about, think about this. This is the question. How about when someone asks you to join a Bible study and maybe you've never been a part of something like this before or a small group, what, what do you think is your first reaction? It's like, I've never done that before. Not sure if I want to, right? That's probably where a lot of us might be. But maybe being uncomfortable is the best thing for you in that situation because studying the Bible together in a group of people who are all pursuing Jesus together, it might be the best thing that has ever happened to you, right? Right? Think about some other instances that might be uncomfortable, but it's a godly thing to do. Maybe someone asks you to help volunteer by teaching Sunday school or come to a prayer meeting at your church to sign up for a mission trip, to join them in attending church on a consistent basis. How about when you feel God urging you to do something kind for someone, but you don't even know them? Awkward, but good, right? Or how about to offer to pray for someone? To tell someone about Jesus. Aren't all of these things good? Again, you need a little bit more confidence this morning. (laughs) For many of us, these kinds of things are a chance for us to be a little uncomfortable, but at the same time confirm that our trust is in God rather than ourselves. Have you ever wondered why so many people in the world strive to live a comfortable, easy, or worry-free lifestyle? I kind of wondered about this, and I wondered where that comes from, right? We could blame the media. We could blame, uh, you know, evolution or generations of people just getting a higher standard of life, all that kind of stuff. But honestly, I think there's a spiritual battle that goes on behind that message. I kind of think that to live with that kind of comfort or to desire that kind of comfort, I think it might be a tactic. Amen. Honk your horns, say amen, wave your hands, wherever the spirit leads. (laughs) I kind of think that when we have this crazy desire to live with such comfort, it might be a tactic of our enemy, the devil. Do you remember the story from Luke 16 about the rich man and Lazarus? In this story, there's a rich man, and he has this compound, this estate, where he has everything that he wants. All of his material needs are, are met and he has more than he could ever want. And right outside of his gates there was a poor man, a beggar named Lazarus. He laid there covered with sores and his life was wretched. One day they both died. The, Lazarus was taken to be with Abraham. It says that he was brought in and he had this uh, fellowship with Abraham. The rich man went on to suffer in fire. The rich man cried out for relief from this fire. And then there's actually an answer that comes from his cry in verse 25. It says, but Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted and you are in agony. So what do we learn here from this little story during his life? The rich man lived in luxury get everything he wanted. He had the maximum amount of comfort and he prioritized and experienced every comfort that he could get his hands on. But the result was that his comfort was short lived. It was never going to last. And it eventually resulted in agony. Think this through with me for just a second here. If Satan's purpose as the enemy of God and the enemy of God's people is to take people's eyes off of Jesus so that we won't experience salvation. Is he going to say, hey, everyone, I'm a really bad guy, and I want to do a lot of bad things to you? I don't think so. I think that's a little too obvious, and, and Satan's way more sneaky than that. I think instead, instead that Satan's message sounds more like this. It's that little voice that kind of gets inside of our ear once in a while, and it says, hey, don't put yourself through anything too difficult. You deserve luxury. You deserve comfort. Get rich because, man, that's where happiness is. Just think if you had a car like your neighbor did. Just think if you had a new Renault on your house, right? Man, if your kitchen was updated, you would be the happiest person on earth. Don't try anything new. Change sucks. You're fine the way you are. Just relax. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Satan is telling us to be comfortable, I believe. And because that sounds good to us in this earth and in this life that we live, we can easily believe that message is a good message. And perhaps we don't even think that Satan would ever say something positive like that to us. But believing this message, this is what I think is deceiving so many people, especially in Western culture. I mean, people living in other countries, developing countries, they could never even have this as a choice, right? We have it as a choice and we've chosen it. And it's sometimes, not all the time, it's not bad to have money. It's not bad to have a nice house. But I think when that becomes the priority, it's to our spiritual detriment. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2 says Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not earthly things. So as Christians, where is our focus meant to be? Around here on all the things that we can obtain in our life? All the comforts we can experience? Clearly no. It says that it's actually supposed to be on Christ who's in heaven because that's where our eternity is going to be spent. Romans 8 verse 17 and 18 says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his... Suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. I love this verse because it brings the perspective. Where are we going to spend eternity? What's going to be the place that we want to build our permanent residence? Is it here on this earth? No, it can't be because no one's going to live forever here. But we're all going to live forever in eternity with Jesus Christ if we've put our faith in him. So why wouldn't we invest Everything in the kingdom that is yet to come. James 1 verse 12 tells us God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, after they've persevered, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love love him. If the voice that I hear tells me in my heart, hey, take it easy. Don't do anything that is inconvenient or uncomfortable. You deserve the best in your life. If that's the voice I hear, I'm going to be leery because that voice disagrees and is exactly the opposite of what Scripture is telling us. Something else to think about is this. When we pursue what we're comfortable with, I wonder if we end up lowering the standard that God has called his people to live by. Here's some examples of of different standards which kind of come in the form of commands or instructions that God gives us. And every single one of these is found in the Bible. Jesus tells us, he gives us our marching orders. He says, you are the light of the world. So you are the ones who are going to display the glory of God and point people to Jesus. Jesus tells us, go make disciples, bear one another's burdens, consider others as better than yourselves. Willingly work at whatever you do, like you're working for God. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Persevere, endure hardships, do not grow weary as Christians. Don't give up meeting together. Love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who persecute you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Deny yourself. Press on toward the goal. Let your good deeds shine before others. Live good lives that even though people accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your deeds and glorify God. Don't get tired of doing good. All of these things are are instructions that God has given to the people that he loved and died for. They create a high standard, though. Wouldn't you agree? And living by that high standard could potentially make us feel A little uncomfortable. The temptation might be to say, man, this isn't as easy as I'd like it to be. Being a Christian is hard. You know what? I think I'm just going to skip the ones that I don't want to do. Ah, It should be fine. I'm better than the other guy, so whatever. It doesn't really matter, right? Opting out of being a little uncomfortable, which can also result in us uh, being uncomfortable and being obedient to God, it takes a lot of nerve to opt out of something like that, if you think about it. Would we ever tell our employers, hey, newsflash there, boss, Uh, I'm only going to be coming in on Wednesdays and Thursdays now. I think a two-day weekend is ridiculous, so I'm just going to change things around. It's going to be a two-day work week and a five-day weekend (laughs) because that's what I'm comfortable with, right? Or how about when you're a kid and you you say to your mom and dad when you're growing up, hey, mom, dad, here's a list of rules that I'm no longer planning to obey. Just want to keep you in the loop here. I just want you to be aware of what I'm comfortable with. Thanks. I think we all know what kind of consequences we'd face if we did that. Yet, when it comes to God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for us, for some reason, people tend to pick and choose sometimes what they're going to obey or not obey based on what? Their comfort. When we do that, man, I think we just were attempting, even sometimes unknowingly, to just lower the standard that God has called us to live by. When we rewrite or attempt to rewrite the perfect plan that God is calling us to live under, aren't we saying in that moment, God, I know better than you. Man, I just don't want to go there, right? Not at all. So in light of what we've heard so far, let me propose a radical idea to you that I I think was never actually meant to seem all that radical to God's people. What if we intentionally chose to do uncomfortable, difficult, and hard things as followers of Jesus? What do you think would happen if, if we started to act and think like that? Man, I think, in fact, I know we would grow to become more like Jesus. And there's plenty of evidence about this. In Romans 5, verse 3 and 4, it says, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, uncomfortable things, for we know that they help us develop perseverance or endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Man, endurance, character, and hope of salvation are all byproducts or the result of us experiencing things that aren't comfortable. So God says to us in this verse, I have a destination for you. I have a kind of person that I want you to become, but we're going to have to work at it. There's going to be some exercise. There's going to be some strain. There's going to be some difficulty. You're going to be uncomfortable but the end result will be glorious. It's, it sounds good to me. Not always the process, but the end result, that's exactly what I'm shooting for. James one, verse two and three says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. No testing. No growth. That's the formula. That's the recipe that God is telling us about. We can't get that end result of of sharing in God's glory without going through a little bit of testing, discipline, trial, teaching, training, instruction, some trial and error even, right? It's a joy, actually, when we learn to be mature enough to say, oh, this is uncomfortable for me, but this is great, because what I'm going to receive at the end of this is exactly what Christ has called me to be. And then when we have that perspective, all of a sudden these, these things that are so uncomfortable, we realize, oh, I'm okay with this. Not with the discomfort, but I'm okay with the end result. And we hang in there instead of bailing out. These are tools that God uses to help us endure that we're gonna, that what we're going through right now to prepare us for the, perhaps the next challenge. And those who respond well, those are the ones who rise to the top and end up teaching others and leading groups and helping other people know more about Christ because they say, hey, I've been there. I've been on that road. It's not easy. You're right. But look, this is what the result was for me. Let's do this together, right? If we duck and dive away from trouble, we don't develop how God intended us to and will fail to be ready for a potentially greater trouble that comes down the road. Because we have no idea how to endure. Man, God is at work in you. As you and I learn to be uncomfortable and endure that testing that comes into our life today. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in my office one day. I had a couple of appointments lined up and they both ended up canceling in about the space of 15 minutes. Which was fine, right? No problem. So, I was kind of thinking, Lord, what am I supposed to do with my day now? I've had a couple hours open up here unexpectedly. My message is ready. I don't have anything else pressing. So I just began to pray. And I asked, how should I spend this afternoon uh, of this day for my life? And as I was sitting there praying, I got this distinct impression from the Lord that he was saying, Jeff, I want you to go out on the main street. I want you to introduce yourself to people and tell them that you want to pray for them. And I said, whoa, that was obviously not God. So let me listen to that one again. Got my frequencies mixed up there. Right? Because it's uncomfortable, right? So I immediately tried to rationalize it and say, oh, come on. God would never ask me to do something that weird. That would be embarrassing. It'd be uncomfortable. I wouldn't like that, right? But as I prayed and leaned into the Lord some more for clarity, man, that impression just got more and more confirmed in my spirit. So I said, okay, Lord. Sure, sounds good. When, when do you think we should do this? And he says, now, get up and go now, right? So I said, why not? I grabbed my stuff. I walked out onto Main Street, and I saw a lady coming out of the apartments from the, from the across from the grocery store, and I just said, hey, good morning. How are you? She looked at me like, who is this guy? And she says, I'm fine. I said, hey, my name's Jeff. What's your name? And she told me her name. I said, great. And now it was go time, right? Because we've got through the pleasantries. Now it's like, are you going to do this or what? And I said, uh, Hey, um, anything you need me to, to pray about for you today? And she, she said, yeah, sure. That'd be great. And she just told me what, what she needed me to pray for. And I was like, can we just do that right now? Sure. Oh, well, that was fun. It wasn't actually as uncomfortable as I thought. Right. But God didn't say that just pray for one person, then head back to your air-conditioned office. He asked me to spend a couple hours out there. So I kept walking, and I I got to the grocery store, and I thought, hey, this is a great spot. A little bit of courage, a little bit of comfort was starting to creep back in here, right? And the grocery store is perfect because there's one way in and there's one way out. So if you want to like... If you want to herd animals, you bottleneck them, right? So with people, I think it kind of works the same way. So I'm standing kind of in front of the doors, and I'm waiting for people to park their cars, and they have to get through me to get their groceries, right? And this one guy parks his truck on the other side of the parking lot. He starts walking towards me. I start walking towards him. We make eye contact, and, like, it is on. So I said, hey, how you doing, sir? I'm okay. I said, hey, my name is Jeff. What's your name? Uh, I'm Tony. Hi, Tony. Nice to meet you. How's your day going? And we just, you know, small talk it up a little bit, and he's still kind of confused why on earth this bearded fellow is talking to him. And I said, Tony, I'm just wondering, is there anything I can pray about for you today? And he kind of like looks at me bewildered, and he stands back and he says, well, I don't, I don't really know if this is the time or the place. And I said, yeah, no problem. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But... <laughs> What we did do is we ended up talking a little bit more, and he found out that I was the pastor at, at our church, and he said, hey, you know, can I give you my number? Because I have a bunch of questions about some things I've been wrestling with lately, and I'd really like to talk to someone, and a pastor would probably be someone who could understand some of the stuff I'm going through. And I said, yeah, for sure, Tony. And he gave me his number, and or I gave him my number, actually, and a few days later he called me, and he said, hey, can I stop by this afternoon? I said, for sure. He came by. We spent three glorious hours together and we talked together. We talked about difficulties that he's been going through in his life, difficulties from his past and, and like spiritual experiences that have happened that have really shook him. Right. And we prayed together and he said, Hey, could I come by again sometime? I said, absolutely. And over the space of two years, he probably came by a half a dozen times and called me on the phone just as many times. And two weeks ago, Two weeks ago, his family asked me to, to come and do his funeral service. This is Tony Korb that I'm talking about. It's just marvelous how, when God asks us to do things that are uncomfortable, things that we would never choose for ourselves, this is when the most amazing things happen. Was the payoff immediate? Not really. Two years down the road, I got to share the gospel clearly with his entire family. Isn't God awesome? Yeah, I love that. So here's just a few more quick tips, quick points that I think are, are worth us just allowing to marinate in our brains as we think about what it means to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable things aren't Sinful things. That's just a, a quick explanation there. God would never ask you to do something sinful because he's trying to stretch you or grow you and, and make you uncomfortable. When it, when it comes time for you to embrace something that might be uncomfortable, don't worry about what other people are going through. Don't compare your life to someone else. Because what's hard for me might be really easy for you. And what I find to be somewhat easy, you might say, Phew, I could never do that right? God is, is working with each of us as individuals. He's not asking you to do the same thing that the next person is doing. He just wants you to take one step ahead in your own life. Uncomfortable things should always cause us to depend more fully on Jesus, right? If we recoil and depend on ourselves or we turn to someone else for advice, that can be okay. As long as we're looking for biblical counsel within our own lives. But I think ultimately God's just wanting us to To lean on him more and more and more. When something feels uncomfortable, that's often an indication of a spiritual battle that's going on in your life. And the question is, during this battle, this this skirmish in our hearts, are we going to say yes to the Holy Spirit? Or are we going to say yes to the flesh or to ourselves? That's kind of the battle that's going on. When we say no to something that God is asking us to do that might feel uncomfortable... And it often, and it, it will happen to all of us. The Lord is likely going to keep giving us a chance to say yes to the very thing that we just said no to. Because God doesn't say, ah, they failed, but oh well, we'll just pass them through anyway. That's not how it works with the Lord. He, he's going to give a lesson to you, and he's going to want you to pass it. And if you say no the first time, that's okay. His grace and his patience are there. But that lesson's going to be revisited. He'll present it to you again, maybe sooner than later. You never know. But God wants his people to say yes to him, to deny themselves and to follow him, right? Saying no over and over to things that might make us uncomfortable, it tends to cause us to lose a sensitivity to the voice of God. Our relationship with God will suffer if we don't practice being sensitive to and obeying God's voice in our lives. Ron and Kathy, I'm going to call you guys to just get set here, and you can play behind me if you like. I just, I'm going to wrap up here in a moment. I want to reflect for a second here on Jesus' life. If you think about Jesus during his ministry years, right? During his, that three-ish, three-plus years, Jesus didn't own a home. He didn't have uh, an income. He spoke a message to this world that was widely rejected. He discipled a group of men who were very slow to understand him. Even Jesus' own siblings, they did not believe in him. Jesus performed miracles that were commonly ridiculed. He escaped death by the hand of God, like God helped him, delivered him numerous times. Eventually, Jesus died as an innocent man. He rose back to life three days later, and still to this day, people debate who Jesus was more than any other person in history. Man, that's the definition of an uncomfortable life. But no one in history walked in closer fellowship with the Father than Jesus did. This uncomfortable life that Jesus lived produced results and honored God and gave Jesus more joy than most of us could ever dream was possible. Was it easy? No way. Was it good? It was great. And Jesus is calling us to follow him by living our lives in the same way that he lived his. So Christians of can do. I think it's time that we raise the bar or at least stand up to meet the standard that God has given us. What do you think? I don't want to sink back into a a cushy experience here on this earth that amounts to nothing in eternity. I want to live today. I want to embrace the challenge of saying yes to Jesus quickly, without hesitation, no matter what. I want to answer the call that Jesus makes to all people to accept. I want to walk the narrow road. I want to be uncomfortable. So here's the question right now that we're just going to take a moment to ask Jesus. And, and this is a moment just for you and Jesus to interact a little bit together. The question that I think we need to ask is about our own comfort and, and kind of where we've been, but also where we want to go. So if you close your eyes with me, I'm going to ask a question. Then we're just going to be quiet on our own. We're just going to see maybe the Lord's going to remind us of something. Maybe he'll reveal something to us. Or just show us a path that we should take. So let's close our eyes here. Lord Jesus, thank you for living a life that is so uncomfortable. But in doing so, you gave us the comfort of salvation, of of hope in eternity. We want to understand how we're supposed to live that life as well. So Jesus, the question is this. Would you please show each of us something right now in our lives that even though it makes us uncomfortable... You're asking us to say yes and to trust you in following this. Would you just speak to us about that right now? has revealed something to you right now I want you to do one more thing while you still have your eyes closed and you're just focusing it's just you and the Lord right now I want you to pray and in your own words in the quietness of your heart just tell Jesus thank you for revealing this to me give me the strength give me the desire and give me the fortitude to say yes no matter what the cost no matter what the discomfort I'm in Jesus just tell him that in your own words you are so good and we know that your love endures forever when we say no and we turn our backs against what you're asking us Lord Jesus we know that your love still endures and your grace is so perfect thank you for that thank you for loving us enough though not to just leave us as we were but you call us forward you challenge us and test us and mold us and shape us you refine us And you change us to be more like you. Just pray, Lord Jesus, that today all of us as your followers would be consistent and eager to say yes to whatever it is that might make us uncomfortable so that we can live a life that is honoring to you.